There is a universal need and desire in all of us, a desire to live for more than ourselves, a desire to live for a bigger purpose, a desire for meaning. Now, while these might sound like really big, fluffy existential thoughts, they're very real and it's part of our human nature. There's a false narrative that can play in our heads that if we work harder, earn more money, get more stuff, we will be happy. We'll find meaning and purpose and fulfillment. But my guest today is actually here to debunk that false narrative and share her incredible wisdom of what we as humans are really searching for. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, a CEO, a nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Meredith McDaniel, a licensed professional counselor and owner of her private practice, Milk and Honey Counseling. She is a graduate of the Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. She has also served on staff with Young Life and as the lead counselor with Inheritance of Hope. And she is a brand new author of the book In Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. It actually releases next week, January 21st, 2020. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. Now you need to pre-order this book right away. I've already actually had the chance to read it, and it is incredible. Now, Meredith says that she feels called to sit with and listen to the stories of women and men, helping them discover who they are and experience life more fully. She enjoys entering into the quiet places of people's lives in a safe setting to offer hope and help others taste of the land of milk and honey. Today's conversation was so refreshing and encouraging and challenging, and I know that you are going to be blessed. So without further ado, on to my conversation with Meredith. Meredith, I am so, so happy to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this for so long. How are you today? I'm good, Molly. Thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting. You um, are just someone that I just I admire and I love. You are you're just one of those people that I, when I follow you on Instagram, you're just so. I go to your account for like feelings of serenity and, like, <laughs> and peace. So when I found out that you were coming out with your new book in want and in plenty, um, I just immediately was like, I I can't wait to read this book. This is a book that I need to read. This is a book that I know that so many of my friends will need to read. And so I just really am looking forward to kind of diving a little bit more into what motivated you to write the book um, and all of that. But before we get to that, um, I'm going to have you do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Meredith 101. So who are you and how did you get to where you are today? Sure. And Molly, thank you so much for those kind words. I'm glad that my Instagram space is a place where you can find some serenity because I post it in a um, seat in a time when I really need that. Mm -hmm. And I just can't help but share it with other people. I love that. So I'm glad that you have found that there. Um, Well, I am a licensed counselor here in North Carolina. And my husband and I and our three kids live just north of Charlotte. And we actually do a few different things. So my husband is on Young Life staff. um, So we kind of run the area up here in this area. And um, I have my own private practice called Milk and Honey Counseling. And then all of our kids are elementary age, so you can fill in the dots there. It's pretty much a full life that we are living right now. It feels like we have um, looked up and a decade has gone, and we are just trying to figure out what is the next decade supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you are a, obviously, like you said, you're a licensed counselor, but you also went to seminary. Now, did how do the two relate Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, so I went to Gordon-Conwell in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was a Master's of Christian Counseling program. And so we kind of have some foundational um, Bible core classes that we take, but most of the bulk of my program was focused in psychology and kind of integrating uh, Christianity and psychology into one. That is fascinating. I will be honest, I had no idea that was even a study you could go into. And I'm actually really glad that it is because for so long, I think this is actually a really important conversation, especially for those um, in the church to have, is 
the importance of caring for not only our spiritual and our physical and emotional lives, but our, our like our mental health as well. And how for many years the church has not, let's just be honest, done a fantastic job <laughs> of mm-hmm. of cultivating mental wellness into the church. Um, what has been your experience kind of being in that world where you're not just a licensed counselor, but you're also a licensed Christian counselor? And um, and I want to just say this off the bat is I acknowledge, right, you know, I acknowledge that a lot of my listeners don't identify as Christians. And I don't want you to turn this off um, just because you think that we're going to talk about Christian, because I think there's so many topics here that just in general apply to anyone. Um, and I think that's really important to just acknowledge off the bat. Um, but I, I'm just curious as to like, what has been your experience working in the mental health field and also coming at it from a biblical perspective when that's not something that is super common? Sure. Yeah. So you bring up a lot of points. How much time do we have? I know, right? <laughs> um, so let me tackle the first question. And I, I do want to echo what you said. So I would say about half of my clientele in my private practice um, are walking with the Christian faith. And I would say about half of them aren't. And mm. so I really love that because my whole goal as a Christian counselor um, is to bring my whole self to the room, but mm. also to just pr- to provide a really safe safe space for people to process their life. And so I never go into a session with any sort of agenda or evangelical mindset. Um, If it comes up, and I'll be honest, a lot of times, even people who walk into my office and say, um, you know, I'm not really a person of faith, we end up talking about those really big questions, like, who Mm -hmm. am I? And Mm -hmm. why am I here? And to think about your podcast, like, what is my purpose? And how can I live more intentionally and more peacefully, more mindfully um, in this life? And so I think that this conversation, like you said, it does... um, It's really important both thinking about the church, but it's also just really important in life in general. And I've been encouraged um, recently just as the stigma with mental health has started to wane and fade um, and starting to see how people not only within the church, but just across all social media outlets, um, you think about all the different organizations um, that are trying to speak into the anxiety and depression um, that people are carrying and battling silently, and it's become more of a conversation. So I've actually been really encouraged. If you look back over the last 10 to 20 years, you know, we've used to keep things really hush hush, and now we're on podcasts and we're um, yeah. reading books and we're hearing things on Instagram and Facebook about how we need to talk about our struggles. So, um, I'm in a good place with it. Honestly, I think we can always grow. Um, I actually just met with a local school here that is wanting to um, bring me in as a school counselor, school-based counselor, not a guidance counselor, but once they've sort of hit their ceiling of guidance counseling, then I could come in and do 50-minute sessions with students Mm. because they want to kind of take away that barrier of people having to leave school and miss tons of school and then have to come back in. So I just right now today in this moment and feeling like I'm proud of us wow. <laughs> for going there. <laughs> yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think that, it, yeah, we are in a space where people are more open to receiving counseling. I mean, when I was in middle school, I 1000% should have been in counseling and I never, I was just, there was such a stigma around it that I was like, I don't need that. Like, I'm not going into counseling in high school. I'm not going into counseling Like in college. I'm not going into counseling. You know what I mean? So like that just, it, it just was not something that I, it even occurred to me to be no one encouraged me to do it. No one um, talked about if they were in counseling. It just wasn't something that I think was on the table as a topic of conversation. And so I'm just so glad that we are in a space where we can have those conversations and there's not as much shame attached to it. And and yes. it's, that's very freeing for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm really encouraged, too, to hear that half of your clientele is you know, do not identify as Christians because, Mm -hmm. but you know, and that just opens up the opportunity for so many conversations. And um, that actually leads to a really kind of interesting segue to a question I wanted to ask later, but I'm going to go ahead and ask it now because Mm -hmm. you kind of brought something up that triggered that. Um, But one of the things that, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, we talked about this at the beginning, but your uh, first book, um, In Want and in Plenty, um, Searching for God's Provision in a Land of Longing, that I said that right, right? 
You're close. It's waking up, but it's waking also up. searching. It's both. <laughs> it's really both. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was like, I'm going to totally screw this up. Um, you did great. <laughs> and it comes out uh, next week. So uh, January 21st. So make sure to pre-order it right now. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, but, you know, there's this really common story that ties all of us together. And it's that um, we want more like out of life, out of ourselves, out of our relationships. Like we want more and we're desperately searching to find it. Like we're we're looking for meaning. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for, like you said, like, why am I here? And what is the meaning of life? And those are questions my six-year-old always seems to have like right at bedtime. Um, like why? They're like always at bedtime. Um, so convenient always. Yes, every time. Um, but this really is a universal feeling, whether you're a Christian or not. Whether you yes. identify as an atheist or an agnostic or you come from another religious background, like this is a universal feeling. And so for you, like how have you seen that play out among people in your lives, like through clients, etc.? Yes. So I love that you're saying this is a universal ache and longing. I like to call it a yearning. Um, I think some of us feel it on a deeper level than others, but I think that it is a universal feeling. And so um, I meet with people all week long, whether it is in my counseling office where I am right now, I'm looking over at my couch where people sit and sometimes lay down, which I love it when people feel comfortable enough to lay down. That's amazing to me. Um, but sometimes I will be sitting in, you know, our local restaurant on the patio, or I'll have somebody over and we'll be sitting on my front porch. Um, and it just seems like I was starting to notice this pattern of looking into people's eyes and hearing them um, say that they were unraveling in whatever season of life that they were finding themselves in. It could be, you know, a recent diagnosis. It could be this underlying feeling of anxiety and depression, um, a loss, you know, some sort of season of grieving. Um, and they just can't seem to one, remember their purpose or two, have any sort of motivation, um, to be able to kind of do that American dream, right? Like pull up our, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's just like, they feel paralyzed. They feel stuck. Um, like they can't move out of that space. And so I started noticing that over and over and over again and started thinking, okay, like there's got to be some way to find some movement. Like we've got to figure out a new way to um, see our life and see what's going on, knowing that we can't control it. You know, we all set out to have these um, these plans and these dreams that are all wonderful. And I love to plan and I love to dream. Um, but then life happens mm-hmm. and we find ourselves with whatever business we've set up, with whatever um, goal we had in mind for our family, even if it's a vacation, you know, we end up uh, going into these things and then they aren't what we thought they were going to be or they are tangibly, but, um, abstractly in our mind and in our heart, we're still feeling some sort of ache because of relational dynamics or whatever the thing is. Um, so that is really what has birthed this book. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it just, like you said, I mean, it can be in really any area of life. It can be relationally. It can be vocationally. It can be, you know, as a parent. It can be as a spouse. Um, we just, you know, and going back to, I think, really to my find foundational um, kind of view, and I know that this is your view as well, is just like ultimately, whether you believe it or not, like I, I just very strongly believe that like God created us in in a way that like we are not – meant to do life alone. We're not meant to do life um, in a self-serving way. And so he created us with just this natural innate desire to search for something. Um, And one of the things that's really interesting that you have woven throughout the book to kind of relate to the story of today um, is connecting it to the story of Moses and the Israelites in the Old Testament, the Exodus story. So it's sort of this like unifying thread of, you know, their their plight and their moaning and their groaning and like, (laughs) we just rather would go back to Egypt and be slaves again. Like, why did you take us to this desert? And like, this is miserable, you know, and they're just 40 years of just so much complaining out of the Israelites. And then so often if I'm in that part of the Bible and I just 
you know, my nature is to scoff at the Israelites and be like, gosh, you guys are so whiny. And then I realize that I do the exact same thing. Um, Oh, yeah. Me too, girl. Me too. I just do it in a 2019, 2020 context. Uh, You know, so um, I want you just to kind of talk a little bit about that. So like what did that what how does that really you know, how do you see kind of the entire Bible um, like connecting us into a grander narrative? And like, like, how did the plight of, of Moses and the Israelites really connect? How does that connect to us today? Yes. So I feel like we could potentially lose people at this point. So I just want to say, if you heard the words Old Testament, you heard the words Bible, um, and you're just thinking, okay, moving on to the next podcast, I would just say, hold tight for a second, because it's mind blowing. When you start to look um, at, if you can zoom out for a second and just look at, like you said, the grander narrative of the Bible, um, there is so much abundance, like so much abundance that I overwrote my book by 30,000 words, um, which was very painful in the editing process. (laughs) However, um, there's just so much to say because there are echoes of Exodus um, just kind of resonating throughout the scripture, Um, all the way from the beginning of Genesis to the end um, in Revelation. We get to see God's hand and kind of trace it throughout so many different stories and narratives. And since I said earlier, as a counselor and as somebody who does ministry, Um, and just hangs out with my people on a regular basis, I get to hear stories all day long and I can't help but compare those to, um, the, the story in Exodus, because like you said, they literally, um, were enslaved and, um, they were building these, you know, huge pyramids for the, um, Pharaoh who was basically like the leader at the time. And, you know, they were just mindlessly working and I kind of compare it to like our nine to five, like to, to bring the ancient to modern day. Mm. Um, you know, we get up every morning and we're scrolling through our phone before we even put our feet on the ground. Our mind with our to-do list is already running. And I'm so guilty of this. Like I'm talking to myself right now. I struggle with this every day. Um, we're not breathing, we're not eating, we're not sweating, we're not drinking enough water, um, and we're not connected to people in a real way. Mm. And so we really are like the Israelites. We're like other characters in the Bible that were wandering around in a wilderness for years and years and years. Our mouths are dry and our stomachs are rumbling, and um, we can really, really relate to the people um, back in the story of the Exodus and throughout the Bible, I think in a really fresh way, if we really take a deeper, closer look. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's so, you know, and then of course, when we look at the story in, in the entire context of the Bible and, and through God's um, perfect plan and, and, and through his purposes, um, you know, and we see the purpose that he had for the Israelites during that time. And but there they are, like you said, they're just they're grumbling and they're hungry and they're thirsty and all that kind of stuff. But God, like still in the yes. midst of all of that, he was providing for them and they just they couldn't see it. They yes. couldn't see it. And so um one of the things that I know about you that is something that you really put into practice. Um, it's through your Instagram. You've inspired me um, to put this into practice. And it's that in idea of of looking for manna. And I know that this is something that you talk about in the book as well, is um, this idea of manna as, as provision and nourishment um, from God each and every day. And then that was something that he provided for the Israelites while they were wandering in the wilderness and that he still does that for us today. Can you talk a little bit about that and what that looks like? Yeah, it sounds crazy, right? Like, mm-hmm. manna, what even is that? <laughs> and isn't and that actually, like the exact definition? It's an appropriate question because like that is actually what the translation is of the word manna is what is it? What is it? And so, gosh, God has a sense of humor, right? He does. So like things happen in our life that we would never classify as manna. You know, like I could walk out my front door right now and somebody could drive up and say something to me, um, just what feels like out of the blue. And then I get in my car and I go on my way for the rest of the day. But then I'm riding down the road and I start thinking about what that person said. And then I realized, oh my gosh, like I just had this moment of provision because this person said this encouraging thing to me that I didn't even know that I needed. But apparently like my creator, 
my maker knows me because he made me and he knit me together in my mother's womb. Um, and I'm not an accident and I was made for a purpose. And he knew that I needed that before mm -hmm. I even needed it myself. And so the words that came out of that person's mouth might not have meant something, let's say to you, Molly, you know, in the same way that it meant to me. And so I kind of have coined that term as a manna moment. Like it is a moment where God has provided for me in a way that I was um, surprised by a way that I didn't quite fully understand. Sometimes that comes in the form of things that we might not prefer or like. Mm. Um, and we have to learn that we might not ever know why certain things happen in our life. Um, but we get to uh, surrender and trust that. And this is what I love, love, love about um, the book the most is, is starting to grasp this um, truth that God has the aerial view. Like he can see so much further down the road than we can. We only see like what is right here in front of us and we, we want what we want and we want it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and we feel like we're not enough. We don't have enough and we've had enough. And, um, and yet, like you said, but God, if we can unearth the manna that is around every single corner, I mean, it, it's almost like going on this, like, um, treasure hunt. Like yeah. I love going to antique stores and yard sales and like the thrill of the hunt. And so I feel like God has just transformed the lens of my eyes. And now I'm just hunting for it everywhere I go. And I can't help but share it with other people. So, yeah. Now this is something that you actually walk people through in the book and that's kind of how to hunt for manna. <laughs> um, and I, and sometimes it does kind of just happen and you don't realize it, that it's happening, but, um, but then you also kind of equip people with the tools to, to, to look for it, to hunt for it. Um, if, if somebody is just completely this, they're like, this is a completely foreign concept to me. I yeah. have no idea where to start. Yeah. You know, what would you suggest? Yeah. Um, I would say we've, we've got to slow down. Um, our world is so fast paced and, you know, the content that we can have in, in our fingertips, you know, at our fingertips and in our ears at any point, um, it's crowding out the space that we have to hear and to see and to listen and absorb what what's happening kind of beneath the surface. Um, and so, you know, what is that? My question would be to to everybody listening and to you, you know, what does it look like for you to kind of clear the clutter and to create some space and to prioritize um, maybe some healing that needs to be done in your life? Um, the place that I start in the book is is with our own personal narrative. Um, of course, as a counselor, I think it's really important that we have, um, time where we are just processing our story, like from the beginning of our life to wherever we are now. Um, and I have these, these kind of seven questions that I go through and I'm not going to go through all of them, but the gist of them is just, you know, how are you raised? What does your family dynamic look like? Um, what did you love when you were little? What are positive memories? What are hard memories you have? Um, what makes you feel alive? What breaks your heart? Kind of all of those just really nitty gritty questions that, um, we, we tend to just overlook and forget how they inform everything we're doing in our life right now. And so, um, some ways, some tangible ways that I do that in my own life. Um, one of them is music. Like if you notice when you guys mm. get the book and you hold it in your hands and you look at the end of every chapter, I have some journaling questions throughout the book, but also at the end of every, every chapter, but I also have a song and, um, I think music, it, it has some sort of healing power that is beyond words, even, even beyond yeah. the lyrics. Yeah. Um, just being able to, let yourself sit and listen to a song and absorb it and the, um, the goodness and the truth that comes from it. it it's surprising what that does in a person's um, heart and soul so that then they can go back out into the world and do the things that God has called them to do. I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Meredith to thank our sponsor of the show, and that is No Issue. No Issue is the online platform for designing and ordering custom, sustainable packaging for your business or brand. They have low minimum order quantities, worldwide delivery in three weeks or less for free, and they have a team of designers on staff ready to help you make your customized, sustainable packaging beautiful. 
Everything is compostable, recyclable, and the paper products are FSC certified. I absolutely love this company and they are incredible. So if you have a business or brand that ships things at any time, check out noissue.co and use the coupon code PURPOSE15 for 15% off your first order. Now back to my chat with Meredith. Music has always been something that's been really healing for me um I mean I sang growing up so I just naturally like I loved music I when I started college I was actually a musical theater major which not a lot of people know that um I changed majors yeah but yeah my freshman year I was a musical theater major um and I graduated with an English degree but you know that's that's another story for another day um but yeah but music is so it is so healing and we can see so many examples I mean there's even there's literally something called music therapy I mean where people use music as a form of therapy, a legitimate science-backed form of therapy. And then we yes. can also see so many examples in the Bible of of how worship or how worship and, and music and song and dance was used to to bring praise, to bring healing. I mean, I mean, the Psalms is just basically one entire, like incredibly long <laughs> book of the Bible that is yeah you know, broken down into quite literally over a hundred different songs and how that was so healing for the writers of those songs and those Psalms. And um, yeah, so I just, I love that because it, it is for me, music has just always been something that has been been healing to my soul and um, I mean, my listeners know a lot of what I've been through over the last two years and just in general, like I have found that I'll create, you know, different Spotify playlists. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I will just in in those moments, there are certain times where like, I just need to put on a certain playlist and I need to close my eyes and I need to just let that song just kind of breathe over me, if that makes sense. And so I love that you included that because that's, that's something that so many people need. And how often I mean, we, we are constantly, you know, putting I mean, podcasts, and I don't get me wrong, I love podcasts, obviously, Mm -hmm. I host one, um, and audiobooks and all those kinds of things in in our ears, and we're constantly consuming information. But man, music just has such a different healing capability. It really does. And I would say, you know, so much is happening in our body in that moment. And we're, we're very disconnected from our bodies in general as a people right now in life. And so anything that, that grounds you and kind of calms your whole um, system is really going to be helpful for anxiety and depression. And I believe we all have a, a low grade, uh, you know, version of anxiety and depression yeah. just because we live in a broken world and we have broken bodies. And so anything that can be soothing. And so if music isn't your jam, you know, some no pun intended, some other, (laughs) some other things, um, you know, could just be getting outside, even if it's five minutes Mm. or parking further away from your location so that you you're walking, um, and moving a little bit more because we're all sitting in our desks or we're riding in our cars Mm. and commuting. And, um, so anything we can do to move. And like I said earlier, sweat and, um, eat well, all the things that we're putting in our minds and in our bodies are going to directly impact the input um, and everything else that comes out and and, and informs the work that we will do. So if we want to have success and we want to be living like our best life, um, we have to start, you know, kind of with our, um, our whole being first. And I love what you just said, just talking about how like, you know, really focusing on our physical health too and just exercise and eating right and all that kind of stuff. Um, I spoke at my church uh, a couple of months ago and was kind of doing a teaching on Hannah um, in -hmm. the Old Testament. And I was talking about Hannah's, um, Hannah's just example of how she how she led by example and how how prayer really marked her life and Samuel's life and her whole story and even if you are listening and you are not familiar at all with um, the story of Hannah I mean I just talk I talked a lot about how you know 
this we can read this story and we can just think that this was like, a, oh, she prayed a prayer and boom, you know, her prayer was answered. And mm-hmm. if we actually break down the scripture, like that's not how it was at all. Like she spent years and years and years and years going up to the tabernacle. She was barren. Mm-hmm. She couldn't have children. She's dealing with a second wife because her husband's got two wives and she's got all these issues. But she has been pursuing an intimate relationship with God for years and years and years. And yeah. this is during a time in Israel when people were far from God. It was the time of the judges. Like people were just doing whatever they wanted. Any, can anybody relate to that right now? Like people are just <laughs> like, you know, and but she was consistently pursuing an intimate relationship with God. And so when the time came and it was time for her to really give up control over to God and to, to lay down her situation at his feet, whether or not he was going to answer her prayer, she was ready. And I kind of equated it to running a marathon and you can't just like wake up one day and you can't just be like, I think I'm going to run 26.2 miles today uh, because you would die. And so it takes training and it takes um, fueling your body with, you know, with the right foods and making sure you're getting enough water. And even during the marathon, you, you cannot complete the marathon on your own strength because you have to kind of along the way you have to get a banana or you have to get some Gatorade or you have to get some water or take a goo packet or whatever it is like you have to fuel up along the way and that's basically exactly what life is and how you can't just expect to get in better shape if you never go to the gym and you eat leftover Reese's cups from Halloween so like how are we going to expect to get closer to Jesus and and grow stronger in our in our mental health and in our physical wellness if we're not taking the time to slow down and to pray and to read his word. Like, what are we fueling? Like, what is, if life is a marathon, like, what are we fueling our bodies with? Are we fueling Mm. it with trash or are we fueling Mm -hmm. it with, with God? Um, You know? And so I just, I think that's just, it's so relevant because it's something that again, everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it. And we can feel so overwhelmed in life if we just were to look at all the things that we have to do or all the things we even want to do. Um, we that's where we get paralyzed in the overwhelm. Yeah. And so my hope is that if we can lean into something greater than us, um, for me, it's God. And mm-hmm. it sounds like, you know, obviously that's for you too, Molly. Um, then it is not in my own strength. And yeah. that gives me hope because gosh, if it was going to have to be in my own strength and I was <laughs> going to have to figure out a way to make all of this stuff happen, yeah. um, I, I just know that it wouldn't. And, and so because, um, I am relying on something moment by moment, um, to sustain me and provide what I need. Um, I can just take one step at a time and yeah. I can breathe deep in the process and it is a lifelong journey. And I love that you said that it is not, um, I say in the book over and over, like if you're looking for a formula or a kind of step-by-step process, um, which is what we all want. Mm-hmm. I want somebody to give me that too. Like, give it to me. Where is the rule book? Um, I have found personally in my own life, and I've seen it time and time again with my counselors and with friends and family, that it's it's just more of a mystery than that, this whole life thing. It is, um, you know, it's a case-by-case basis based on our own personality and who who and how we were made to be. And if we're disconnected from the one who made us, it it makes sense that we would be kind of walking around feeling a little bit disoriented and asking all of these questions of like, why do I feel the way that I feel? Mm -hmm. And why can I not find my purpose? And why can I not um, get the things done that I want to get done? Why do I feel this way? Um, And and where I have found my hope is that, that I am part of a greater story. And I, I get to play a role and it is a gift and an honor to get to play a small role in, in the grander kind of rescue narrative. But, you know, I, I am not the lead character and that is relieving to me yeah. and very freeing for me to get to lean into it in that perspective. Oh, yes, it's so freeing. It's so freeing because when we just try to carry the weight of the world on our own shoulders, it is backbreaking. <laughs> It's, mm-hmm. it's backbreaking and we we weren't meant to do it. We weren't created to do it. And so the moment that you're able to just like just breathe and release it out, like it is so freeing. It's so freeing. And we don't have to have all the answers, you know, like it can feel daunting. Like when people pick up my book, 
you know, I'm asking people kind of a really serious um, invitation to to look back at their life. And, and we just want to look forward. We don't we don't want to look at what's happened in the past or maybe even what we're feeling right now. We just want to look ahead and we just want to keep moving, moving forward. And um, I talk about how we, we really do have to look back in order to look ahead. Um, and, and I know that I want to acknowledge that that can be a painful thing to do for people. And so, so sometimes that is going to require like leaning into um, your community and your people that you trust. And sometimes that also includes a therapist or a spiritual director or or um, just somebody who who is willing to create that space for you to be able to process your life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's one other thing that you really talk about a lot, and that was just how the Israelites in the story of Exodus, how the Israelites really found their voice in desperation and they are shown countless times just crying out to God um, in desperation and you talk about how that today is still applicable uh, applicable applicable um, (laughs) a tomato tomato um, (laughs) applicable um, it's still still applicable today and how God still wants us to cry out to him what does that look like for people in a modern context? Yeah. So it's funny, like when we look back through the Bible, especially in Exodus, when they're in the wilderness, understandably under harsh conditions, wondering where their food was going to come the next day, although it did every day in the form of manna, just enough for every day. Um, You know, it's, it's easy for us in our Americanized version of Christianity in this modern day to think that we have to pretend like we have it all together and that we need to like hide our feelings from not only other people in our life um, and appear that we're better off than we are, but also that we need to do that from God. And I think that's what keeps a lot of us separated from him. Um, I mean, there's days where things happen in my life that I'm pretty mad at him and I'm like, dude, if you're in control and you've got the whole world in your hands, like, why does it feel like I'm slipping through? Mm. And, um, you know, there, there was a time about seven or eight years ago when my two youngest were 18 months apart and, um, the youngest, youngest was three months old. So, you know, one's like still in diapers. I had another, you know, older one and then one I'm nursing and just trying to survive every day. My husband's doing full-time ministry with young life, traveling a ton and, um, we're just, you know, just feeling at our wits end. And then you kind of infuse some, uh, imbalancing of hormones into the mix of all of that. And, um, maybe some of you guys can relate that are listening. (laughs) And, um, I was just all over the place. Here I am a counselor. Um, you know, the area director's wife, Mm -hmm. somebody who, um, should be fine. I should be okay. I should be able to handle all this. And I couldn't. And, um, that is what what really planted a seed for this concept of this book is I was, I was desperate and I was in a place of, um, not being able to manage my life on my own, which I would really have liked to have said I could have done. And I had to open up to some people and I started going to counseling again and I kind of pulled back a little bit on my work and, um, just really focused in on my own healing and my own, um, health and, you know, it was humbling, but I have never felt closer to God um, than I did in in those those desperate days. And I know that my crying out to Him was like fully welcomed. It was not something that He was like, "Oh, come on, girl, like get your stuff together." I felt like He was whispering to me, like, "I see you, and I hear you, and I love you, and yeah. I'm here. I'm with you in this." Like you're going to feel this for a while. I like, like you said with Hannah, like I was praying for these feelings to go away and these, these doubts and these lies that I was believing to go away and to be lifted from me. But it was a good year and a half before I started feeling like myself again. Um, a lot of people call that like postpartum anxiety and, Mm -hmm. um, more than depression. And that's, you know, I didn't even want to go like drive on the highway. I'll just be really honest. Um, and I'm normally a peaceful person. (laughs) So, um, it's a real thing. Things come into our life, life for seasons and, um, it, it requires, uh, us to surrender and trust that God is going to provide what we need, even when um, it feels like our prayers aren't being answered. Yeah, 
Oh, man, I can echo the sentiment so much because, I mean, I know that for me in my time of like pain and suffering and grief and sorrow, like my faith and my relationship with God and my my ability to let go of control over things in my life has never been stronger and better um, than it than it has been in the last two years. And um, I have said this a lot um, in the last year, especially kind of in the aftermath of everything that my family and I walked through. And I've just said, you know what, like, even if I never get an answer as to why I lost pregnancies, or even if I never get an answer as to why we walked through all this other stuff during that time, like if the if the whole reason for it, if the whole reason for it was that God was like, I'm going to use this to bring me glory, like not me, yeah. Molly, me, God, um, right. like if God's going right. to use this to bring him glory, and if he's going to use this to strengthen my my faith and my relationship with Jesus, then like, that's cool with me. Like, yeah. and th- <laughs> there's a lot of people that are like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, I, yeah. I'm aware. I'm aware that doesn't make any sense. But it, it's a piece that surpasses all understanding, um, yes. just as we read in Philippians. Like, it's it, the peace that I have and the the comfort that I have in my relationship with God and how that has impacted my life um, mm-hmm. it, it is something that it can't be explained in any other way other than through my my faith in God. And And so you're right, just like, it's, it was in those moments of crying out to him and being like, what in the world are you doing, Lord? Yeah. And, <laughs> and him yeah. just kind of qu- quietly whispering, just trust me, just just trust me, just trust me. Like, And also feeling those moments of like, he feels what I feel and he grieves when I grieve and he laughs when I laugh and um, he doesn't rejoice in my suffering. No, <laughs> he, no. No, he doesn't. And so that is just such a it's it, it's been such a comfort to me. And um, I just know that 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 this is also something that I know that so many people who follow you on Instagram or read your book or however they they connect with you after this podcast or just in general, if they don't listen to the podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. how you know that this is something that you continuously share about and you walk out in your own life. And mm-hmm. um, it's just really inspirational to me. And I know it will be to so many other people. And um, it's just such a gift that you're you're taking those those gifts and those skills that God has given you and you're using it to to bring glory to him and to serve others. Um, mm. So I just, I love that. And I just, I really appreciate everything that you do and how you've walked that out. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really know what the word is. Like the first one that came to mind was mm-hmm. ele- elegantly, like you've just very mm. elegantly walked that out. Mm. Um, and so I don't know if you, if you knew that anybody was going to tell you that you're very elegant today, but <laughs> take it I'll take it as Samana because you know a lot of times life feels really messy and I think none of it is wasted none of our stories and the things that have happened in our life are wasted because God um, he brings it into his light and into his love for us. Mm. Um, even when, and it's, you know, we can just acknowledge that there, if there's a good force in the world, there's a bad one. And so he takes what the enemy might have meant for bad and, um, he redeems it and he redeems our stories. And we see that time and time again in the Bible, um, especially in the Exodus story. Um, and in the whole, whole narrative that, that points us to Jesus, our ultimate manna. So I, my prayer is that people would, would start to hunt for the manna, um, when they're holding that ache of both want and they're experiencing the abundance of the plenty, um, that they would be able to see the manna in both. Mm. Oh, that's so good. Preach Meredith, preach. (laughs) Um, well, I was just going to one more, one more opportunity to just, I'm just going to go ahead and plug the book for you. So again, um, the book comes out next Tuesday, January 21st, um, 2020, uh, in Want and Plenty, Waking Up to God's Provision in a Land of Longing. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the basically all the book places. Um, pre-order it because that's really awesome um, for authors. Um, pre-ordering is super important. So if you can do that, go ahead and do it. I literally pre-ordered my book, I think, <laughs> like the day you were able to pre-order it. So <laughs> it's been sitting in my Amazon uh, open orders for quite some time now. <laughs> 
That's amazing. And I will say the pre-order bonuses are pretty like legit. Like yes. I've got some friends recording a song that Ooh. you guys will get in your inbox um, that has some beautiful lyrics there, you know, kind of informed by the book. Mm. And um, there's a beautiful print that's going to be there. You'll get some access to like early chapters, all kinds of good stuff. Um, so yeah, I think pre-ordering is the way to go these days because nice. you get all these extra goodies. Nice. Um, okay, so if somebody pre-orders the book, how do they get those things? Yep. They can just go to um, the website, which is just in wantandplenty.com, and there'll be a little spot for them to type in their order number um, and the retailer and their email, and it'll come right to them the day it releases, which is the January 21st. Sweet. Sweet. Um, okay, well, before we go, um, I just wanted to quickly take a moment to ask you some fun, kind of lighthearted, get to know you questions because it's one of my favorite portions mm-hmm. of the show and it's also my listeners' favorite portion of the show. So, um, yes. Meredith, is it okay if we just ask you some fun, get to know you questions? I would love that. Okay, perfect. Um, so, this first one is obviously you are a full time counselor. You wrote a book, which is like birthing um, a paper baby um, yes. or electronic baby, depending on how you consume your media. Um, you are a mom. You are a wife. You live in the country. What do you do for you? Like, what is the thing that just regenerates you? Like, it is the thing that you just do for you. Yeah. Well, I've kept this a secret for a long time, but I guess I'll tell you and your listeners. (laughs) So I have an alarm that goes off every night at nine o'clock and I stop whatever I'm doing and I pick up not even, it's not even my guitar. It's like my husband's guitar. And I pretend that I can play guitar and play for a solid 30 minutes. And, um, nobody needs to ever hear it, but it is, it is therapy for me nine o'clock every night where I can just kind of release again, that music piece, um, whatever I'm holding in just kind of comes out <laughs> and it's a beautiful thing. And I love it. That's so cool. I did that. <laughs> I mean, well, obviously I didn't know that cause it was a secret, but that's really amazing. I love that. <laughs> I like, you have so many hidden talents, man. <laughs> but, oh gosh. I don't know if I'd call it a talent, <laughs> but it is fun. I enjoy it. I love it. Um, okay. What was your favorite TV show to watch growing up? Oh my goodness gracious. That is <laughs> such a good question. I mean, I guess I would just have to say Saved by the Bell. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's just classic. And every day when I got home from school, I would like get some random snack and just watch it for a good 30 or maybe an hour. (laughs) I love it. That's fantastic. Uh, That is fantastic. Um, Okay. My next question is, what is something that is really important to you, but you never get the chance to talk about it? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I really like gardening. (laughs) So I feel like it's like a lost art because mm-hmm. who's got time for that these days? But if somebody wants to sit and talk to me about like flowers and shrubs and this tea olive that blooms, this little tiny yellow flower that blooms in our little town, it, it's like I think it's what heaven's going to smell like. So mm-hmm. whenever it blooms in October, my favorite month of the year, um, I, my nose literally takes me to the bushes. And so mm-hmm. I'm all about all the gardening things, but I, I don't really have a lot of time or space to talk about it or do it. Oh, I love that. This was the first year that we had a successful garden. We had attempted it many years. And every year, like we would, one year, all we got was cucumbers. And the cucumbers just took over everything. And we had cucumbers like literally growing through my neighbor's fence. Like my neighbor would bring over. She's like, I think these are coming from your garden. Like, like, how are cucumbers ending up in your yard? Like that was the kind of garden we had. Um, And then we had one year where we just got nothing. And this year was the first year that we had a a garden that was, I would would call successful. And we learned a lot, though, because we definitely made some mistakes like some areas were just way too crowded and we should have spread them out more but we did no idea what was going to really actually cultivate and um fyi if anybody's wondering um three watermelon plants is too many um they take over the entire side of our house (laughs) oh my it's amazing to me how tiny a watermelon seed is and then it just i mean it it engulfed our side yard engulfed our side yard. Uh, it was, um, so many metaphors with gardening. We had flowers oh, yeah. and it was like, 
that was the thing. I was like, I'm just going to do flowers this year. And, um, they kind of took over and they were beautiful and I got to share them with so many people. And I love so, that. uh, I just love it. I love it. I know. Yeah. You can do gardening metaphors all the live long day. There's <laughs> so many can. good ones. Um, okay. So you just wrote a book. Um, but are you reading any books right now? Oh yes, I am. So, um, a few months ago, a really lovely book came out by Rebecca Lyons called Rhythms of Renewal. Mm. And she also has a podcast too that her and her husband have started. And they've had some mm. of like just the smartest and most down to earth people um, on there. And, you know, that word rhythm, gosh, everything keeps coming back to music right now. But um, we, we need more rhythm in our lives. And she kind of breaks it down into these four different um, ways we can find rhythm in our life. And it's been really helping me through this kind of season of of um, launching a book for the first time and balancing family life and um, my spiritual life and all of those things. So I highly recommend that one. Ooh, I will definitely put that on my to read list. Um, okay. And then my last question is a question I ask all of my guests and it is Meredith, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Yes. Um, well, you know, mine is called Milk and Honey Counseling, and that theme of Milk and Honey is the filter through which I kind of serve all of the people that I interact with. I want and long for people to um, kind of taste of the land of Milk and Honey, which is another kind of allusion and exodus to the promised land that we're all hoping to enter into one day. But I want people to be able to taste it here on earth before we get there. So I think that if I can do that every day to some little bit of a degree with people, um, that is success for me in my business. Mm, that is so good. That is so good. Well, Meredith, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a very packed and busy life and schedule um, to come and just pour in to me and to the listeners. I mean, this has just been such a blessing. So thank you for what you're doing. And I cannot wait to read your book. I cannot wait till it is in my hands. Um, so just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me and being such a gracious host. I love your podcast and um, you are a gift too. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor of the show, No Issue. Check out noissue.co for all your sustainable, customized packaging needs and use the coupon code PURPOSE15 for 15% off. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs who are changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thanks for your support week in and week out. Be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Overcast, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, and click that subscribe button. Clicking that button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. As always, this show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thanks so much for listening, and go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.